The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Nick Ferguson, and this is Secondary Perspective. NFL season is finally here. Thursday night season opener in Foxborough. Wow, exciting. I remember those days of uh, driving into uh, Foxborough. If you've never been to Foxborough Stadium, it seemed like it's nestled right in this, you know, suburbia community. I mean, you get off the highway. You're driving through this neighborhood and you're thinking, where in the heck is the stadium? And who put it right in the middle of suburbia? All of a sudden, you see these lights that are shining up ahead. It looks like the, the football gods are shining upon you. Then all of a sudden, you turn the corner and then there's Gillette Stadium. Just cue the music. Uh, it just pops up out of nowhere. But tonight, the defending Super Bowl champs. No matter how you feel about them, say whatever you want to say, they are the defending champs until someone knocks them off of their thrones, and tonight they will be facing the Pittsburgh Steelers, which would be a very interesting game, man, and I would have to say uh, a definitely a must-see because it's the only NFL game on television. I mean, there are going to be some college games sprinkled out, but, I mean, it's the NFL for, for Pete's sake. But once again... I mean, the faces have changed, the names have changed, we've seen controversy, but it is football. And it comes down to which team makes the best plays. And it's going to be interesting here in this game. I know uh, the Patriots are definitely favored at home. Tom Brady suspension vacated by Judge Berman to the delight of the New England faithful. And, and Roger Goodell, who has been in the center of this controversy. Uh, It is said that he will not be on hand. And it's kind of unusual for the commissioner of the NFL and what is to be the season opener, the kickoff of the 2015-2016 season, to not be there. But I understand why. You know, so much has been swirling about a lot of controversies in the NFL, uh, suspensions, how many times that he's lost. And like I said, the Patriots fans are really happy that they get their starting quarterback back and, and they don't have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo, who I think the preseason has served him well and, and will help the Patriots 
uh, in the future as Tom Brady uh, ponders when he's going to leave, and at some point he will. But I don't think that Roger might have received a great welcome in to Foxborough. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective, here on Voice America Sports. You can hit me on Twitter at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. And I'm thinking Roger Goodell is in the press box or the suite there is with Robert Kraft. And, you know, it, when it's the opening or the kickoff to the NFL season, a lot of fanfare, uh, people singing, celebrities, planes flying over. And at some point, there's a camera shot that normally goes to that suite and shows the commissioner. And I don't think it would have been a great idea for him to be there because you got to wonder, would the Patriots fans give him a thunderous applause or the alternative, which a thunderous amount of booze? I would like to think maybe the booze might have rang out and that would have been, once again, bad on national television for both the NFL, the commissioner, and the Patriots organization. So I think it's best served that he he did not, uh, you know, show up and then maybe show up at another game as, you know, the league tries to defuse the uh, flategate, as it's been called. But now that's has given rise to some other things, like Spygate is being revisited. You know, it's a good friend of mine, you know, playing in the league, you get a chance to know a lot of guys uh, and good friends of mine, you know, Tyoka Jackson, and Dre Blot, both exceptional guys, one with North Carolina, that, that being Dre Bly and Tyoka Jackson, uh, went to Penn State. We are Penn State. The same Penn State that, that lost uh, this past weekend. But yet I digress. I'll get into that a little later. But these two guys were a part of that team, I believe it was Super Bowl thirty nine, where Brady took over that season early for Drew Bledsoe, and they lost and that Super Bowl. And that's when the allegations of Spygate uh, came out and, you know, videotaping practices and all of that. And they are still, Tayoka to be exact, he is really upset about that. And with these new revelations about what took place, the, the crushing and the burning of tapes, almost like President Nixon and Spygate, well, I mean, excuse me, not Spygate, but Watergate, it just kind of has so many people pointing the finger saying, I knew it. I knew something was wrong in the mix. And the Patriots are cheaters. Belichick, Patriots. Let me explain something to you individuals here. And there's this saying, and most of you might have heard about it. In the NFL, it's if you, well, it's not just the NFL. But it said in the NFL and corporate America, it just in the world, but in society in general. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. And we talked about this at length on the program before, but in light of the new developments, I felt the need to circle back and just remind people about what takes place in our society. And th- there's a thin line between finding the winning edge and a competitive advantage and cheating, right? Because I'm going to give you a a list of individuals who eh, so much straddled that line and probably went 
too far to the right. You know, Jerry Rice, former teammate of mine for a couple of weeks in training camp with Denver Broncos, he came out when the whole deflate gate started and, and said, okay, hey, they, they, they cheated and they did this and they did that. Come to find out, Jerry, you stick him. And we know how Chris Carter felt about that and Michael Irvin saying, hey, listen, you know, we played the game the right way. We didn't have to, re- to result to tactics where we're using some kind of adhesive to help us catch the ball. But what did Jerry say? Everyone was doing it. Chris Carter said, no. No, 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 Slim Shady. Everyone wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing it. So don't put me in that category. A-Rod. You know, A- what, what can you say about A-Rod? You know, and this, this is an example of what happens, you know, in the world of sports. Someone gets caught doing something, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's criticism, and it's this, and it's that, and then they start having success in their particular craft, and it's almost like it never really happened. He and the Yankees are playing well, you know, he's hit a couple of home runs, and I guess the more home runs A-Rod hits, I guess the more we tend to forget that, you know, about his alleged cheating scandal. Lance Armstrong, what more can I say? I mean, the, the French are just upset. You, you can't even go over to France and even mention a word or, or the name Lance Armstrong. They probably throw a bucket of French fries at you, kick you out of the country. But that just kind of give you an idea. There's still a long, long, long list of individuals who have stretched for the competitive edge the rules in their in their favor. So I tell people once again, you know, don't think that these things don't happen all the time. I mean, you had the Minnesota Vikings doing a game with the Panthers, warming up the balls, and the rules say you cannot do that. The rules state that you can't alter the ball in any way. I, I talked about Aaron Rodgers wanting to put more air in the ball because his hands are much larger and he feels more comfortable. Can't do that. You can't pipe artificial crowd noise into the stadium, Atlanta Falcons. But guess what? The Patriots are the only one that cheat. Now, let me go ahead and toss this out. I'm not defending them. I'm not saying cheating is okay. I'm just letting you know that there are other individuals who partake in the bending and the stretching of the rules and fabricating and twisting them the way they want them to be twisted to benefit them. And and I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and, and I've heard some of the, the wildest things being said, and one of, a couple of those things were, well, the whole idea that if you're not cheating, you're not trying, but it's not really cheating until you get caught. And if no one sees it and no one knows it, it's as though it never happened, right? It never happened. Yeah, both you and whoever you call your God, they, they may know that you're conscious, your soul. You guys know, everyone knows when they, they cheated, they've done something wrong. But just because no one watches or sees you do it, doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't cheat to begin with. Yes, you did. You just wasn't caught. And for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, hey, listen, they, they've been great at doing it. For years, taking the rules, bending them. Uh, I don't know if you have you, you guys have watched uh, things on NFL Network. You probably go on NFLNetwork.com and check it out. 
But it's kind of going back over the 2014 season of the New England Patriots, how they won another Super Bowl, the plays, how they knew. And there was a name that came up, Ernie Adams. And Ernie Adams was the individual that presented Bill Belichick with, hey, why don't we run this play in practice? Because we might see it against the Seattle Seahawks. And lo and behold, Michael Butler makes a sensation of play, saves the bacon for the New England Patriots, and Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl, right? But he was kind of in uh, in the center of the whole Spygate and how this thing kind of, you know, definitely, you know, uh, unfolded. But if you haven't seen it, it it's uh, do your job. Check it out. Some great stuff. Uh, some great insight that we've never got a chance to look inside and poke our head into uh, the empire, as most people uh, call it, and see how they how they do things. And you know, there are individuals who've come out to say things negative and about Bill Belichick, uh, former Miami Dolphins coach Don Shula said some things about you know Bill Belichick. And like I say, say what you want. Uh, I, I still think he is a genius. Uh, going back and you watched watching that you know, NFL Network replay of what took place in 20, 2014 season, do your job. It, it shows you the way that he thinks and his experience and being in the game. Yeah, some very questionable issue, issues about the Patriots' history, uh, but I think if you – were to dig into a lot of histories of franchises, you know, you will see some very questionable things uh, there as well. Maybe not as many as the Patriots, but who knows? So, you know, how, how far do we dig? How far does the wormhole go? How much do we really want to know? Because at the same time, it's going to force individual fans who love their franchise you know, owners, players, coaches to now look at themselves and confront what they may have done that might not have been within the rules. Who knows? This is Nick Ferguson. You listen to Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. Talking a little bit about, you know, the Patriots with it being the season opener for the NFL season. The kickoff is tonight. The Steelers traveled to Foxborough to play the New England uh, Patriots. And, and it's, it's once again, it, it's still wild that we had to endure the entire deflate gate situation. But now it's, it's over somewhat as the league appeals, but we'll have to see how it plays out and see during the appeals process, if they win, if the New England Patriots get on the road late in the season, and run the risk of losing Tom Brady, like week 14, when they're positioning themselves to make another run. So we'll have to see what happens. But once again, going back to the fact that there is a football game that will be played tonight in Foxborough, the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to the New England Patriots. So many storylines in this game, so many new faces. Keith Butler takes over for Dick LeBeau. No Dick LeBeau, no Ike Teller. No Troy Palomalo's hair waving in the wind. So you got to ask yourself, you know, what are the chances for Mike Tomlin and his team going in? But 
Take a listen to what Bill Belichick had to say about their quarterback, Big Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's as good as anybody. There's other players that are maybe faster than he is, but he's very hard to tackle, very difficult to get down. Uh, on top of that, he's got great vision, very good accuracy down the field. Again, he doesn't have to step into the throw or have a clean pocket. He can make throws, guys hanging all over him, falling down. So he's he, he's as good as anybody. And Bill Belichick right there, the best to do it, the genius, the leader of the evil empire, as some referred to it as. But he's right. He's spot on. Uh, ben Roethlisberger had a chance to play against him uh, several years. And one memory that thing that comes back to my, my memory before we go to break here, 2005-2006 season, Denver Broncos, Pittsburgh Steelers, the number six seed comes into then Mile High Stadium. And Ben Roethlisberger breaks contain, gets outside of the pocket, and he's always coached the entire week, keep him inside the pocket, make him run up inside, don't allow him to get outside, he gets outside the pocket. We're in a cover two inside the red zone. Me and Champ Bailey is back there. We pretty much have Heinz Ward covered. Champ sees him break contain, rushes up. Ben Roethlisberger looks downfield, notices that, hey, listen, I have the Heinz Ward in the back of the end zone. Heinz realizes, he stops, he pivots, he comes back across my face after I've had him pinned on the sideline. And talking about split-second decisions and timing and being in the right place at the right time, accuracy, all of those things played a part in that particular play. And it was right before the half, talking about something that was rarely deflating. But this just, talk, just talks about Ben Roethlisberger, the way that he's able to move outside the pocket, the way that he's able to make plays and extend plays with his feet. He's a big guy. You know, you don't think he that, has that ability but he throws the ball. I put my foot in the ground. I don't have that much leverage, not enough power to jump up, but I do jump up. One hand up. I try to get the other one there, but the ball sails right over my hands. Highs wards behind me. I mean, tiptoes on the sideline, catches the ball, touchdown right before the half, and we are stunned. But that's just one of those moments and experiences at the hand of Ben Roethlisberger. We'll talk more about this game. It should be a great season opener tonight. I'm really interested and really excited about the start of football season. Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers, tonight, Thursday night football. This is Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective. More on this and more on the opposite side of this break. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies join us every week for winning ponies with john Engelhart, racing's regular guy where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers agents and handicappers in the world of horse racing this show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Perks, The Secondary Perspective here. I know you can be anywhere on Thursday, but I'm glad you're joining me. Remember, go get that Voice America app on your phone, listen to the program, any and every word that you may choose uh, to go. Uh, first segment, I was talking about the New England Patriots. Now the deflate gate situation is in the books somewhat. We still have to wait to see what happens in the appeal process. But everyone was talking about, hey, the Patriots, that's what they do. That's all they do. And they cheat. I gave a list of individuals, you know, whether sports and entertainment who have somewhat bent the rules in their favor some, somewhat. And just kind of talking about the fact that if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And if you, no one sees you cheat, it's as if it never happens. A bunch of lies, 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 lies. Speaking of lies, and just to kind of piggyback off that, Floyd Mayweather has a fight. This weekend, he's fighting Barreto and Andre Barreto, 30 wins, three losses. That one loss came at a knockout, 23 knockouts for himself. And this is supposed to be Floyd's last fight, but it's not pulling in the box office numbers that we have known Floyd to be able to pull in. Floyd Money Mayweather, that that is. I think it's still about 2,100 seats still remaining for this fight. Uh, some may, some are saying that this fight could be a dud. Uh, who knows? But the one thing that, you know, I want to talk about, and I think we go and we look back at the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. I remember watching that fight, as so many did, and feeling as though we were robbed from just kind of a fight that we wanted to see. Everyone was building it and hyping it as the the best fight that we had never seen, but we were finally seeing it. I guess if that's what you want to to call it, because I saw, I mean, it looked like a Sadie Hawkins dance. There's a lot of holding, you know, that was taking place in in the ring that I thought the, the referee should have did a better job of controlling that, but that's neither here nor there, but he's fighting... 
Andrew Berto, Andrew Berto of this weekend in Las Vegas. But I go back to the Pacquiao Mayweather fight because there was some interesting information that came out earlier this week from the World Anti-Doping Agency that said that Floyd received uh, IV injection saline of vitamins and the World Doping Agency said that it was it was banned. So here it is that he receives this IV before the fight, the night before the fight, and Manny Pacquiao was saying that he was denied the ability to shoot himself with uh, a painkiller, painkiller called Tordal, to help with a rotator cuff injury he sustained during training, which after the fight, he actually had surgery on it. So as we start to look at the Patriots, and we look at the world of sports, and we look at society as a whole, and we talk about the competitive advantage, you know, trying to get that competitive advantage. What are you looking to do, or how far are you looking to go to get that competitive advantage? Here, we see Floyd Mayweather did just that. And three weeks after the fight, he received an exemption from the anti-doping agency. So, so he can do that. Pacquiao can't get a shot to help his rotator cuff. See, once again, that fight that took place, it wasn't a fight. We would all agree. But were things changed because Floyd was able to do that? And the problem with that solution, and same with it had vitamin, vitamin B, vitamin C. But the problem with that is when you file for the exemption when you actually receive the exemption, right? Making it aware that it actually happened, but more importantly, you know, as it's being reported, when something like that happens, an IB uh, solution, saline solution like that, it, it is viewed as possibly covering up or masking something else that might have been in the individual system at that particular time. There's no way to test him now. That time has now passed. That ship has now sailed. But where does that leave us? Did we really, we know on the surface watching the fight, we didn't get the fight that we wanted to see. But now you enter this into the conversation. I mean, to me, that just taints everything. It, it just taints everything and, and now I got now as a, a individual that loves the fight game now I got to wonder you know has the Mayweather camp used this before have they done these tactics before in, in previous fights we know his skill set we know it's unmatched by anyone I mean it just how he defends and he dodges shots from other opposing boxers how quick his hands seem to be but now we have to factor in and think about, well, how many times has this happened in previous fights where may have given Floyd Mayweather an added advantage over his opponent? I think that's the thing that we're talking about. If, if everyone's doing it, then I guess it's not an issue, even if it's bad, because everyone has that same competitive advantage. But if one person's doing it and the other person's not, I think that, that's where we have our issues. And I, I still go back to this. 
You know, th- there are certain rules that are set in place. And we, we come to know the fact of being able to find them and manipulate them as loopholes in the system. We see it all the time. Corporate America, Enron, Bernie Madoff. Everyone's finding these loopholes to manipulate the system. The Patriots found those loopholes, stretched and bent the rules because they felt that the league did not really do their due diligence. Now, isn't that what happens? You know, you guys have kids. When the kids feel as though the parent is not really checking, is not really solid on their discipline, oh, little Johnny, we're going to punish you if you do that again, and never follows through when little Johnny does something again, little Johnny goes to say, listen, those are lies. They don't follow through. So guess what? I'm going to do it again, and all I have to do is suffer tongue lashing, and they're going to, you know, puff up their chest, but I'll just sit there, nod my head, I won't do it again, and guess what? Six months from now, I'll do it again. And we'll go through the whole cycle over and over and over again. Which brings me to an interesting point here. I've said for some time, when I look at the disciplinary actions and what the CBA and the collective bargaining agreement that is, uh, the power that it gave to Roger Goodell and whether it's Roger Goodell, whether it's government, whether it's anyone, I don't think any one person should have that much power. It should be a group of people deciding what essentially happens. Suspensions, fines, what have you. When when you give one person that much power without any repercussions, they can do whatever they want. But take a listen to what uh, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, says as far as how he wants to move forward with player di- disciplinary actions. Take a listen to this. Very open to changing my role in that. Um, it's become extremely time-consuming, um, and I think uh, I have to be focused on a variety of other issues, and that's what I've discussed with many of the owners over the last couple of years. We believe that a discipline officer or some type of a panel uh, that could make at least the initial decision and then a designee of mine uh, on some type of appeal uh, would be a better system. But we also have some resistance to a third-party arbitration. We believe that uh, the standards of the NFL are important to uphold. We believe that you don't delegate uh, that responsibility um, or those standards. We think that somebody with a with a, a deep knowledge uh, of the game and our policies and our rules are important, particularly when it relates to competitive violations. Those are important to have. So there's there's got to be a system in there somewhere, and that's the, I think the the challenge for all of us to do is to come up with a system to do that. You know, I, I have all, and that's uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell earlier this week on uh, Mike and Mike talking about uh, how to move forward. And like I said, I've said for some time that I thought it was only fitting to have kind of a leadership council. You know, you you use former head coaches who you trust, uh, former players who you trust, who have not tainted 
their personal image and the image of the shield, and you let them each week, even if it's by conference call, because the way technology is now, you can use uh, Skype, you can use Periscope, all these different things to kind of group people in together into a conversation. If there is some kind of infractions, some kind of conduct detrimental to the league, you get these individuals together and say, well, okay, here's the first case. We're dealing with this particular individual. Here is what he allegedly had done. And let's take a look at it. Now, let's look at the rules. Rule Article 46-5B states. And then you compare that to what he did, and you let the majority kind of rule on what is happening. And I think this is something I think the, the Players Association and the players would definitely welcome, the fact that you know, being judged by their peers, being judged by a committee who now knows what players have to go through on the field and off the field and let them help decide. And then, you know, you have, you know, the commissioner there with them. So it's kind of a collective type of thing. And I, you heard him say, you know, the idea is not having a third arbiter come in that's not familiar with the guidelines, that's not familiar with the league. And that kind of disrupts the dynamic and the flow of things. You do it in-house. You do it with the people that you know. They know how the game works. They want to protect the shield. And right now at this particular point, that's what has to happen. You know, some damage can control and restore in the faith and the commissioner's position, the league, you know, as a whole. And it can't, it can't be done. You know, sometimes, you know, there are mistakes that are made. And we do, we all make mistakes, whether it's the commissioner, you know, myself, Tom Brady, anyone, we, we have a tendency to make mistakes. But the great part about it, the great part about being in this country and in our society is you have an opportunity to change what previously happened, to change people's description or how they have, they viewed you, you know, because like I said, everyone makes mistakes, but it's what you do after that mistake that defines you. And I think that the owners realize this. They realize that the integrity of the game uh, has come under fire. Uh, Arthur Blank, I mentioned last week, that he said that things have, have to change. And remember, everyone has a boss, and Roger has 32 bosses, and they realize, listen, our bottom line can potentially be affected. And you think, I mean, the NFL, $9 billion, even $15 billion industry, we can't allow that bottom line to be affected. We can't let our fans lose integrity in the game and think, think as though there's a lot of favoritism on one side or the other. We kind of have to go in, troubleshoot this, and fix it. So to me, I think that is a start. That's the way that you have to do it. And, you know, you have guys like, you know, Herman Edwards that are out there, Mike Singletary, you know, you got guys like that who love the game of football. You know, they live, breathe, and eat the game of football. I mean, I do the same. I, I would love to be on that council because I feel as though I come from a different approach. Some of those guys are drafted. I wasn't drafted. So I could come with the with – the, the problems facing the undrafted players as they try to find their niche, carve out their niche in the NFL. But I would love to be a part of 
that 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 counts it. But it is definitely interesting. I, I hope they definitely get it done. But I think that will put things back on, on the right track to know that if there is an issue, uh, conduct detrimental, that this this group of individuals can effectively decide what happens, the punishment, uh, the the suspension. And if, it, if something needs to be reduced, they, they can do it. But the idea is like a seamstress or a fine tailor, you know, you measure twice and you cut once. So it's not one of these situations where, well, we didn't give an individual a hefty enough of a fine. So, you know, we have to go back and redo it again. We originally gave him two games. Now, you know, we want to give him six games. No, no, no. Let's clearly lay it out. Here's what, if you do this, it carries this type of infraction. Hey, players, if you want to go on a Skype call and get in front of this eight-man committee and state your reasons why you feel that you're innocent, so be it. But I think a lot of things should be handled in-house. you never see me talk about issues that happen in my house outside. And that's why it's kind of frustrating for me when things happen inside of the locker room and guys choose to take to the media as a way of getting out their argument. If you have a problem with the organization, they're upstairs. Go talk to them. If you have a problem with the guy next to you, Talk to him. He's in there. Do not use the media and bring them inside the world of what happens inside of the locker room. Handle your house. Clean your house. That's the best way to do it. Don't handle and air dirty laundry out in public. There's no need for it. When you handle it in-house, it stays in-house. That is what builds the cohesiveness with the team, with the organization. Handle what's in-house. Address it so there won't be or wouldn't be any further issues. Because when you don't, things get out. You know, congressional hearings, you start hearing things about congressional hearings, and you don't want that. These are easy fixes. Communicate. Come to the table. Figure it out. We can move on. We can enjoy this game we call football. Tonight, the New England Patriots start their road to defending their Super Bowl title against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin. Tonight, football is back. Coming up after the break, Ronda Rousey, you know, we've known about the back and forth with Floyd Mayweather, but I'm going to give you a little something that you didn't know about Ronda Rousey. Coming up after the break, you'll listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds Bart. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We 
Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Football is back. I mean, last week college football started and we saw a slew of upsets. Watching Penn State and James Franklin go down at the hands of, of Temple. I, I, you know what? It's, it's amazing what happens in, during the first game of the season where this college football started NBA season or NFL. Some teams have a superiority complex where they feel as though, hey, my opponent is inferior to me. So all I have to do is show up and we will win the game. But last week, I guess Penn State didn't send a memo over the Temple. And, I mean, things look so out of sorts for Penn State. But, I mean, Temple played an excellent game. I mean, for them... It was almost like their national championship game week one. They came out. They played hard. They hit the Nittany Lions in the mouth. And it was, I thought it was impressive. I mean, when you start a football season off like this, there's a lot of expectations that go in for team. But to me, I think it's great football when you have a team that's considered an underdog you know, they come and they beat up on a, on a team that has a, a story tradition. And when you look at Penn State and you look at, you know, we look at Bill O'Brien, he was there, you know, what what happened with the whole Jerry Sandusky situation. I mean, James Franklin comes in from Vandy and trying to change the culture there. And you're thinking things are going to get right back on track. But then you got to ask yourself, what does a loss like this do for a team? Can, can they bounce back 
And Christian Hackenberg, I mean, hey, he, he had a rough outing. He definitely had a rough outing. It just seemed like the protection wasn't there. The timing and the rhythm was off with the wide receiver. So James Franklin has to go back to the drawing board with his team and try to get them back on track. You got to try to. I mean, especially knowing as though, you know, the Ohio State Buckeyes are waiting out there. And hopefully you guys saw the game against the Buckeyes and the Virginia Tech Hokies. I, I thought it was a great way to kind of wrap up the college football weekend. Michael Brewer, you know, he started out kind of sketchy in that game, and Ohio State took the early league, but then he started to come on. He started to make plays, and that's the one thing about football. When, when you have a guy from another position start to make plays, it kind of makes everyone else want to play better. The Bud Foster's defense started playing better. They got in that bare front, started forcing everything outside. They had uh, Cordell Jones bottled up, but they kept giving up explosive play after explosive play. But I think the thing that changed the game, the complexity of the game, was when Brewer went out of that game, it was just like, oh, we got him. Urban Myers and Ohio State Buckeye Faith would say, we, we got him. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, once he went out, things were not uh, definitely not the same. And, and it's hard when you, you, you lose your starting quarterback and you have to have uh, the backup quarterback to come in as a reserve and put him in that position where he now has to take center stage in a primetime game against the top-rated football program in the country and be successful. So asking uh, Brendan Motley to do that, I think it was rough, but those are the circumstances that, that you find you find yourself in. You know, that's why depth is so important to have, you know, no matter what professional or amateur sport that you play, depth is so important. But Ohio State schedule, man, I tell you what, talk about an easy road uh, to, to victory. I mean, they play at Virginia Tech, and like I said, it started to, see, to be a lopsided game at the very beginning. The Hokies fought back, but ultimately they were just overtaken with the loss especially after the loss of the quarterback. But then they're at Hawaii, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan. Talk about a couple of preseason warm-up games for Ohio State. They were at Indiana, Maryland, the Penn State that I talked about, who definitely has some trouble, and Hackenberg has to get it together, at Rutgers, Minnesota, at Illinois. Then the big game, I believe that they're going to get challenged. Their first challenge this doesn't take place till later on in the season. That's Michigan State. So right now, from this schedule, Ohio State can just walk right into the college football playoffs. I mean, just go ahead and book the rooms and reservation because they're going to be there with the schedule. I mean, unless something unfortunately happened, and last year we saw that this team knows how to handle adversity. You know, Braxton Miller, down. T.J. Barrett, down. Cordell Jones, Third-team quarterback comes in and runs off the last three games and ends up winning the national title. So when you look at Ohio State, they're definitely the front runners to be back. Whether the teams will be there 
waiting for them. Who knows? Some say Bama. I don't know. But Lord, I don't want to see. Let me get this out there. I don't want to see two SEC schools in the college football playoffs. And I don't want to hear that, well, a one-loss SEC school is better than an undefeated program. No, from another conference, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Let, let the debate start now, but I definitely don't want to hear it. I think there should be other programs represented in college football playoffs, and I think it should be five, six teams, six teams, at large, one at-large team, and five schools represented from the Power Five conferences. So here's a slate of what's going to take place uh, this weekend around college football. My alma mater, Georgia Tech, hosting Tulane University. Then you got Notre Dame, who beat up on Charlie Strong and those Texas Longhorns. What's happening over there? I know Mac Brown is beside himself. I didn't sign up for this, but the number nine, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, uh, they will be at UVA, that's Cavaliers and Mike London team that came out to the West Coast and was just thrashed by Jim Moore and the UCLA Bruins. Alabama, yeah, Middle Tennessee State. So, I mean, who's going to watch that one? It's time for Bama to start adding some real teams to, to the schedule. But Oklahoma, Tennessee, Butch Jones hosting Bob Stoops, a program in Oklahoma that's trying to get back on track and get back into the national uh, conversation. UCLA is at UNLV, so that's going to be rather interesting. But Mark D'Antoni and the Michigan State Spartans, Oregon, the Ducks. The, the Ducks put up some points last week, and – Obviously, you know, life after Marcus Mariota is never, never the same. But, I mean, they have to have a better out, outing than they had last week. Definitely has played so much, so much better. But I think that this is one of those games, you know, Big Ten versus uh, the Pac-12. You know, th- this could be possibly a preview of one of those college football or bowl playoffs. We could see see it see it early, but and that's the question. I mean, would you rather lose early or would you like rather lose late in the season? I'd rather lose early. So I have the chance to kind of build back my my momentum and get back in the good graces of the college football gods. But that should definitely be a great game. I'll be looking forward to uh seeing that one and seeing how that that shakes out. So another slate of college games uh, for us this weekend, but it is NFL that's dominated the conversation. And this week, like I said, the Patriots and the Steelers square off here 5.30 Pacific time. So it should be uh, a great game. Other games slated around the league that are, I say, must-see games. The Colts and the Bills. And speaking of the Bills, Marcel Darius, who suspended for one game, receives seven years, $108 million, $60 million guaranteed. That's most most money for a guy that doesn't play the quarterback position. 
But to kind of give you an idea of just looking at his value, you talk about Kyle Williams, Mario Williams, Larry Hughes, Rex Ryan's, and the Buffalo Bills, understanding the level of importance when it comes to interior linemen and playing defense, trying to keep that core group of guys together. And, you know, we've seen some dominant interior linemen in our days, and Warren Snap being one of them, but Marcel Darius recording 26 sacks. That's a lot for an interior lineman, but showing why he deserved his big bucks that he received. So, uh, yeah, great game slated slated for this weekend. The Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears, the story rivalry between these two teams should be uh, definitely a great game. But the one game that I definitely have circled, the Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two former Heisman Trophy winners square off. Who wins this duel? Jameis Winston has two big wide receivers on the outside, but I think Marcus Mariota is the better quarterback at this point. It's great to see these quarterbacks square off. The NFL got it right having these guys face off at the beginning of the season. Number one, number two, squaring off should be a great one. Now, I know before I was talking about Ronda Rossi, and man, I mean, she is blowing up with a slew of movies uh, scheduled. MGM has a couple of things in the pipeline. The scripts are being written as we speak. But she is going to take over for what is, can, can be considered to be an iconic movie, uh, Patrick Swayze, Roadhouse. But this time, instead of a male, it's going to be Ronda Rossi. That's, that's going to be great to see her get out there and do her thing. And I'm eager to see how they write it in the script because if you've ever seen the Roadhouse movie, you know, he goes to Memphis and he's trying to clean up some bars. The fight scenes are awesome. And we, are, we know what, you know, she can do inside the octagon. So I'm eager to see what the choreography is uh, going to be like, the fight stunt coordination, what that's going to be like. But, man, I mean, talk about striking while the iron's hot. They're doing a great job promoting her. And WME, I believe, manages her. So they're finding these roles for and capitalizing off of her success at, at this moment. And, hey, she's going from the Octagon to Hollywood. So she was in The Expendables and The Last Installment of Fast and Furious. So there's going to be some big things that happen with uh, Ronda Rossi here in, in, in the future. And I'm excited about her career. I want to see her dressed up as a superhero. You know, with so many superhero movies that are – coming out. You know, I, I want to see her uh, in, in, as a superhero. What superhero? I don't know right now, uh, but I, w- I would love to see it. You know, right off the bat, before we get out of here, maybe She-Hulk. Maybe she could be the next She-Hulk. You know, that, that would be totally awesome, but I, I, hey, her stock is rising. She is blowing up. Kudos to her. Football is back once again. College football this weekend. The Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight kick it off here. Andre Barreto and Floyd Mayweather kick it off amongst the controversy about his saline solutions. 2100 tickets still available. I don't know if you're going to watch it. I'm, I'm not watching it. But uh, if you want to, hey, go ahead and watch it. Said to be Floyd Mayweather's last fight. So, once again, I'm Nick Ferguson. This is Secondary Perspective on Voice American Sports. Another sports spectacular weekend is upon us. Go out, 
Have fun. Fantasy picks. Don't drink and drive. Be safe. And go out and do something great for your fellow man. Until next Thursday. Secondary perspective is gone. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 